Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Welcome to Catharsis, the podcast where I lend a friendly ear to some fellow comedians who need to get some issues off their chest. I'm like a therapist, but uh, free and therefore completely and utterly unqualified. We will be digging into pet peeves, old wounds and unpopular opinions. You can sweat the small stuff or even the medium sized or the large stuff with me. Before I intro my guest for the week, I always like to get something off my chest at the beginning. And because my guest is American this week, I want to talk about British audiences because I've noticed uh, a real difference between American and British audiences. American audiences, I find, when I go to do shows in America, American audiences go in with one attitude, and that tends to be, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. We're hopeful. We're excited. And British audiences, we don't do that. We go and go, this is going to be shit. In fact, I don't even know why we have star ratings. It should just be the Bristol stool chart. It's like, which type of shit is this going to be? It's because we hate ourselves and we secretly think it's what we deserve. So, like, if a show is good in the UK, I feel like people will go, well, it wasn't shit. And so I'm kind of jealous of the Americans for having a starting point of people going in with enthusiasm. And sometimes that enthusiasm is because they think you're famous or there's fame attached to it and Americans do get excited by fame. But I think, uh, you know, in the UK, I think we just need to we just need to up our game a little bit so that we go in going neutral, maybe neutral. This could be fun. That would be a vibe, wouldn't it? To go into a show with that British audience is in the back of your mind. This could be fun. My guest may feel very differently about when he's uh, played to British audiences because he has been at the Fringe. We were together at the Fringe last year, um, coming in all the way from New York. One of my absolute favourite people, comedians, humans. He's very funny. Please welcome comedian and writer Sam Morrison. Hello, love. I couldn't agree more <laughs> about the audience. Oh Not at all. I was like, can I jump in here? Because I need to emphatically agree. What is wrong with you as a people? Are you just sad? Is that it? Is it because it's so dark in the sky? And also, like, I've only been to the Fringe Festival, which is like a chaotic nightmare. And everyone's seen seven million shows and never, no one wants to see another comedy show. So maybe that's it. But oh, no, I think it is. I think it's indicative. Of, I think particularly 
Scottish audiences are like a next level tough. That's why comedians have to go. Um, Well, here's the thing. Scottish people, as a rule, I've got a Scottish father. They don't like it when people get too big for their boots or overconfident, which is surprising when you learn that Donald Trump had a Scottish mother because he can't (laughs) have spent time around her because he's way too, like, arrogant. Like, So that's why comedians have to go to the fringe to bring us down a peg or three so that we can go out and have Scottish people go in. Is that supposed to be funny? Next clown, please. Am I the clown? Yeah, we're the clowns. Next clown, please. I don't understand this show, but fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Next audience, please. I'm going to introduce the first section of the podcast. We like to call this Old Grudges. That's where I ask my guests to bring along something from the past. It could be a person you work with. It could be a situation. Um, It could be going back to your school days, something that you're hanging on to. You feel you either haven't resolved or you would like to have handled differently. And you could just, you can just get it off your chest, Sam. Okay. I didn't know what I was going to say. And then like right before this podcast, I was like, oh yeah, high school speech and debate. Ah, I did something called duo interpretation and my freshman year. Yeah. It's a big deal. Okay. We, we didn't have theater. So this was like our school. We didn't have theater and we didn't have sports. So our school speech and debate was the big deal. And uh, freshman year, I did a duo interpretation with my best friend, Mike Mayer. Yeah. I'm calling out names. (laughs) (laughs) I have literally never talked about him with this since like, Probably sophomore year of high school. I can't wait to show this to him. So he was my partner. And um, you like choose a piece and then you like interpret it. And then the next year, for no reason, he decided to change partners and do it with someone else. Just because I I don't know why. I think he thought that Hunter was more talented than me. It's not Hunter Biden, is it? I mean, how many hunters? And it is Hunter Biden. (laughs) And I now have a grudge against the entire Biden family. And that's what I want to say to the UK. So now I have to ask, because I don't know what a duo interpretation is. Yeah. Is that two of you arguing as a team? Debating as a team? It's hard to explain. But what you actually do is it's a lot like theater. You, You take a piece and then you like interpret it into 10 minutes and you perform it without looking at each other or touching each other. So our first year, Mike and I did Frankenstein. Wow. Okay. And it went well. And then sophomore year, I got to ask him why he switched. But I was like, I was devastated. I was like so upset. So you performed Frankenstein. Who were you? Were you the monster or were you the doctor? You kind of play all the characters. Oh, okay. Right. I think I was the monster and Mike played a lot more of the other characters. Right. And and it went well. So what's happened... So I let's know. unpack this. You've performed a thing. It's gone well. It's gone well. It's a hit. It's a hit. We got to finals at novice states. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. Those are words that you don't understand. No, but I understand a state. So it's come out of the school and out of the local area and statewide. That's so right. So that means bigger, bigger, bigger. So it's competition. Right. It's bigger, bigger, bigger. So, and you're in the finals. So that's, this is a big deal. So you've this done incredibly deal. well. We've done yeah, incredibly well. well. And then the following year, without telling you, how did you find out? Tell me about the moment you found out then. Ooh, or did he tell question. you? I don't know. At one point he was just like, I'm going to do a duo with Hunter. And I'm like such a non-confrontational person. So I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, no. I love Hunter. Hunter's great. <laughs> I think I remember being like, maybe you can do two duos. Like, I really, I really wanted to be Mike's partner. Everyone wanted to be Mike's partner. 
and he chose a different girl. I'm trying to defend Mike, but that is hard <laughs> because I can imagine you at the age you were. How old were you when this happened? Sophomore? What sophomore year? What age is that? Yeah, so I think uh, I was like 13, probably like 14. Oh, 14 year old Sam, desperate to like creatively express himself. And doing so well at it and then coming back and going, what's going on? Like, what's happening? How can someone else be a better partner than me? I'm the person that got you to the state finals. The state finals? Fuck it, Hunter. Yeah. And I, I'm obviously so insecure. That's why we're both here. <laughs> I mean, as people. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I wasn't a good enough speech and debater. That's why he's choosing someone else. So he can go back and he can do better. Hunter's more talented. Yeah, but then I got a new partner and we all ended up being friends and going to tournaments together. I always held that grudge against Mike until right now. And now I'm married. Did you get... <laughs> Fuck you, Mike. What stage did you get to with your new partner? Did either of you reach the giddy heights of like state finals? Yeah, yeah. So we, we both did very well in our speech and debate careers. But like junior and senior year, we would go to these tournaments and Andre and I, Andre, my new partner, who, by the way, yep. so hot. <laughs> oh, take it, Mike. <laughs> take, yeah, suck it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Andre was like uh, this, this like perfectly shaped Adonis who is like a national crewing champion that I brought on to make Mike jealous. <laughs> We were all straight at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, was there an unrequited something there with... <laughs> no. Okay. No, no. None of them were my type, but I, all of their dads were. But um, <laughs> yeah, two of us are queer now. So half of us came out. Yeah. So 50%. Okay. What was I talking about? Yeah. Andre was to make was to make Mike jealous. Yeah, Andre was, to, Andre was to make Mike jealous. Yes. Andre and I always did really well. But with the Hunter and Mike always did like two or three places better than us. Uh, uh, I know. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting. Like, like I get that you can, you can have a partnership and creatively grow apart, but it sounds like you kind of resolved it by all kind of hanging out and going to competitions together afterwards. But I guess the, the nut of this or the seed is you never got to ask, mike why he ditched you well yeah i don't know the real reason right of course i had a conversation when we were 14 but i don't i don't i guess i don't remember it and i still obviously hold that grudge yeah well of course you, crazy things when you're 13 or 14 you can decide to not be best friends with someone because they spoke to someone else at break that you have like put yeah, on a shit yeah, list yeah. like the stuff would be like so ridiculous of like you wore green today and like it looks disgusting. And we said, you know, this sounds like Mean Girls. It sounds like I went to school and the Mean Girls go, we don't wear green on Wednesdays. <laughs> but, you know, like when you're a teenager, you can do stuff that, you know. And so sometimes as an adult, going back, revisiting a situation that happened and then you find out the reason for it was like something so insane of like, why did you, we used to hang out all the yeah. time and then and then go and then you just stopped. And it'd be something like, oh yeah, that girl's dad like had a car and he'd pick us up every week. But you would think it would <laughs> be like, you would think it was something so personal yeah. about you. You're like, oh, I'm oh, hateful. Everyone has, you so know, true. it's my personality is repellent or like I'm not cool enough. And then you find out it's just some kind of admin. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I bet it was something like that. I bet it was that, 
that Hunter lived closer to Mike. Yeah. So it was like easier to rehearse and get on and do the, you know, like you'll find like Mike, if you're listening, hit us up. Unless the reason is horrific. Yeah, man. I can't imagine it is if you stayed friends, but well, I bet it is something friends, like. But that says more about yeah. me as like a non. I'm, you know, just an anxious Jew. I just don't like. Yeah, I just never confront. <laughs> don't want the confrontation. That's how my family were like. I just don't. Yeah, I, we just stayed friends and didn't talk about it, <laughs> which is really sad. Just let that resentment simmer away, and really cook up a nice, a nice sugo. <laughs> That's how friendships work, right? You just like hold something against someone for a decade and then talk about it on a very popular podcast. Yes, exactly. That's how I yeah. resolve all of my yeah. issues. <laughs> So anyway, I have six more grudges that I need to get through on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you for sharing uh, your grudge. I hope you feel better getting that off your chest. I do, but I also, I'm like, now talking about it again, I'm like, I got to talk to Mike. I think I still hold on to something here. <laughs> <laughs> this hasn't gone away. I need to give you some gripe water. I and still rub your feel back rejected. A bit. <laughs> yeah, I <know. laughs> Or I need Mike's details so I can go in. This is the kind of friend that I am. I'm like... Give me that person's telephone number and I'm going to exactly. call them right now. Well, that's why we're friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you, I need you to protect me. <laughs> yes. Who's sending Tiffany into the bar going, that person was mean to me. Okay, show, just point me in their direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I'm so sorry, Mike. I'm unleashing Tiff onto you. Yeah. Good luck, Mike. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is the section of the podcast we like to call Topical Cream. And this is where we apply um, some balm to a stingy news story that's got you all het up. Now, this could be something in the news in the last month or week or whatever, or an ongoing thing that you're like, oh, God, I want to talk about this. I don't even know if there's any solution, but I get so riled up. I'll say the NFL playoffs are right now. Okay. And the the football and, and God, it just takes over every there's just 
drunk people screaming in the street every weekend. And um, it's so frustrating because I'm like struggling to fill my 175 seat off Broadway house. (laughs) And I go into a bar on Saturday night and it's just packed to the gills. Right. And it's just so clear that everyone cares more about sports than art. Ah. It's very frustrating, isn't it? I decided that I was going to travel to uh, Rotterdam to do a show when the World Cup was still on. So that was stupid. So I 100% get this. Now, my understanding is limited. Does NFL stand for National Football League? Yes. Okay, that's how little I know about. No, Because you call it football and then for us, we watch it and we go, this is like rugby. Yeah. And if you're, are you a sports guy at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I played soccer in high school and frisbee in college. Ultimate frisbee in college, excuse you. Ultimate frisbee is one that I always, when I hear this, I do have to crack up because I'm like, is this sport? It is frisbee, but it's ultimate frisbee. Are there rules to ultimate frisbee? Oh, God, do we wear short shorts and take it seriously. It is so funny. (laughs) It's all people like me that are like beta males that never made it to like the football team or whatever and yeah we, we take it real seriously there's a it's really popular there's like a whole there's professional frisbee players and in college it's a it's a big thing I loved it I like that it has the word ultimate in it because I think we did it for a little while I seem to remember in my 20s that a friend of mine's brother was like yeah I do ultimate frisbee and I'm like but it's frisbee but not as you know it yeah it's no, like ultimate frisbee it's like when a closeted guy is like I'm not gay it's like that's the it's <laughs> it's getting it out of the way early, you know. It's like it's it's <laughs> it's presuming that you're going to attack it for being, um, you know, not a real sport, and it's going no, we're ultimate crispy, the real sport. It's overcompensating. <laughs> I mean, it is so funny. Like no other sport has the adjective in the title. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like really manly football. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fighty football, yeah. (laughs) Violent hockey, proper hockey, (laughs) ice hockey, yeah. So the NFL's playing at the moment. And do you find as well, so I can understand how this is. I've done Edinburgh's before where there's been the Olympics on and you're like, I wish it was. I wish, I wish we could get those numbers. Oh my God. And maybe we have to start making our stand-up more like a sport. So maybe we just have to have some commentary as it's going. If we can just set, so this is my solution to the, to the topical problem. If we make it more like a sport. So actually during, during the set, you know, in a little pause, when we get to take a sip of water, if we could have commentators that would be like Sam's pause to take a sip now before he gets into the emotional heart of the, uh, of the show that he's about to do. He's had a couple of quick one-liners there. He's definitely (laughs) like, he could be on the ropes. He just got heckled by an audience member. If we could start doing that, if we can start bringing that kind of, and then what you have as well is like armchair sports people or armchair stand-ups or armchair commentators that are like, I can manage a team. You know, these people that are like, yeah. fantasy sports league people well because people love the numbers you know what i mean like people love the data and the stats if we had that for comedy people would go crazy yes oh sam got this many laughs per minute this week but last week he bombed and he got heckled and he didn't deal with it if you could like figure out a way to not monetize but like numberize it yeah. all numerize and monetize let's do both yeah let's do both because then as soon as you've got numbers then you've got gambling and ultimately, <laughs> most people, yeah. in order for them to be interested yeah. as a sport, you've got to be able to gamble on it. So you're like, yeah. I'm going to go in and say, I'm going to do some spread betting. 
uh, on on Tiff and and Sam doing their shows tonight. Like we're gonna go head to head. So I've seen Tiff's show before. I feel like she's got a strong opening <laughs> fifteen minutes of quick fire gags, but then there's a little bit of baggy storytelling. <laughs> baggy. There's some exposition. I think you should lose points for exposition. Some baggy storytelling. <laughs> Someone's been reading their own reviews. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> That's such terrible writing. Baggy storytelling. And listen, we do talk about gigs after them in in terms of wins and losses. Like, you know, That's like true. sometimes sometimes you'll even see a comedian on stage and go, I think I think you took that one to the audience. Or <laughs> yeah. like, I think I won this one. I think it's clear. So sometimes we do, we do a gig because it is art, but it is also paying and then you get booked to do shows. And there are some nights where it just doesn't feel like a job. It's like the best thing you could ever do. And there are some nights where you're like, I earned my money. And those are normally the ones that you go, they were hard. That was a draw. We'll call it a draw. Oh, yeah. No, the ones where that pay the most, you're like, I am going to put my head down. I'm going to take this check and I'm going to get the fuck out of Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. The worst gigs are the ones that pay the most. I like your topical story because I do think we've stumbled upon a solution. So I think we're just going <laughs> to we're going to start marketing that as an idea. Treat comedy like sports. Some of you are going to leave with a bloody m- nose. I mean, the UK with your weird star system kind of does it. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. you're ranking people out of five. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I will never stop talking about this. I'm so glad I'm not there. And I mean, some reviewers give stars, but nobody knows what that means and nobody cares. There's literally winners. It's so funny. It's time for an unpopular opinion. And you were maybe thinking, is the NFL thing going to be the unpopular opinion? But this is where we ask, where we asked our guests for something that they love, but everyone else hates or vice versa. Yeah. You know, something that you hate that everyone else loves and you just don't get it. I'm so sorry. Uh, this is like really gonna. I'm. I've never said this on anything before. Um, I don't like mac and cheese. Oh, now as an American, <laughs> that is a shocking statement. Oh, right? is is that a particularly well, macaroni cheese or mac and cheese? Well, even that you called it mac and cheese because we call it macaroni cheese. Oh, so so we we don't say mac and cheese. We'll say macaroni cheese. But I feel like that's a staple dish in America. Oh my God, it's the most universally beloved dish. And what is it about it that you hate? I just don't get the hype. It's just got a weird aftertaste. It's like the worst of the pastas. It's like so much cheese. It's so unhealthy for you and it's just not worth it. I mean, like I've had a couple like really fancy mac and cheeses that were just like, I really liked the cheese. But otherwise, it just feels like it ruins a pasta dish. And the aftertaste is always so weird. And people go crazy for it. Yeah, it's got got kind of a chemical cheese taste. Yeah, there's there's those gross quick mac and cheeses too. But I'm talking about (laughs) all the mac and cheeses. I'm going off here. So what goes in a fancy? What goes? What goes? What goes in a fancy mac and cheese? Um, Is it like parmesan or? uh, Yeah, just like one of those. I probably just like higher quality cheeses. Yeah. I feel like mac and cheese is like a real staple dish. And part of it is because it's it's an affordable food. So it's not typically done with like fancy cheeses. Yeah. You don't give a fuck. You're going to go at mac and cheese. You're going to say no to mac and cheese. Have you ever been in a situation where it's been the only available option as well? And you're like, I cannot believe that I just have a mac and cheese. If there's 
a mac you mean like a restaurant that only serves mac and cheese <laughs> well no just like you've oh, turned up at something and someone's someone's cooked dinner and they've oh, done yeah. mac and cheese or yeah, yeah. or is it a truck because sometimes i find that these things come from childhood like my mum and dad used to do or my mum used to do and it felt very scottish as well like mints and tatties so it was like mints like ground mints maybe with like some peas in it and potatoes and just the most like basic no flavor dish like minced beef just mince uh and it took me a long time to even be able to accept mince in any other form as i got older i have it in a bolognese but just mince and tatties is it a childhood thing for you did you have it as a kid mince and tatties yeah, tatties are like Scottish way of saying potatoes. Oh, that's adorable. Mints and tatties. Yeah, mints and like tatties. just mints. So ground beef. It sounds like a childhood book, but also maybe like um, like a weird porn thing. <laughs> mints and tat, like uh, some mints sort of, t- <laughs> I don't know. Mints and tatties sound like they could be two drag queens in New York. Mints and, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> It also, I don't know, it feels like some sort of, it's not coming on tits, but it's some sort of yes spin off that. It might be a little bit yes. like scat play. It might be like in between scat and piss. <laughs> it's like mints and tatties is like the maybe the under the boob. So it's where you shit yes. and piss under the boob of a woman. And that is yeah. debate in a nutshell. And someone out there, I was about to say, that sounds so gross. Someone out there probably does that. Oh, 100%. So no macaroni cheese for you. I'm sure we'll get some emails. Um, but it, but you can't be wrong. Here's what I think about not liking a food. I just think, I, I think a person can't be wrong. It's like, if you don't like how it feels in your mouth, you don't like the taste of it, you don't like, and you've given it a good go as well. Yeah, thank I, you. I feel like you've done it different ways. I mean, it's not like, if it's, there's nothing else around, I'll eat it. It's more like, it is the most, like I've mentioned this, like, at parties before and people do not like me it is (laughs) it is such a problematic opinion that like people feel so strongly about mac and cheese and i just don't get it and it pisses me off and today is where it all turns around (laughs) f you i bet there's gonna be people that are are gonna come in and be like you know what me too and i've been too scared to say my opinion yeah and thank god sometimes you're like someone had to say it Someone had to say it. And in many ways, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm not a hero. Now, every week on this podcast, we do like to look at a historic feud or an aurochs, as we call it, which is a prehistoric type of cattle. It's our historic beef section. This is kind of an old feud, I think, um, but it seems to be ongoing and it's Mariah Carey and Madonna and they often get called divas and... I, you know, I've spoken before, I suppose, about the feminist aspect of this, that only women get called that, you know, are we being unfair? Mm. But I think sometimes it's quite fun to dip into women doing excesses like the men get to, you know, Mm. they get to do them all the time, have these ridiculous excesses and and they don't get told they're being divas. They're just being artists. And that's what they deserve because they're artists. Bearing that in mind some of the stuff mariah carey does is absolutely batshit but um (laughs) she's you know like repainting dressing rooms the candles and everything else you know sometimes i feel like people go you know like it's a funny story if someone has their m&m separated as a man or gets a different type of whiskey flown in isn't that like fun 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 it's a problem is it if mariah's 
if Mariah needs all of her candles to be diptyque. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, Mariah and, uh, and Madonna, they like sort of have a lot in common because they're both iconic and they've had decade long careers, but they're not fans of each other. So that's that's the kind of rivalry that I want to dip into. Um, do you know anything about the feud between Madonna and Mariah? I don't. Are you a fan of either? Yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm casually a fan of probably more Madonna than I mean, I, I, although I've listened to them both, but and not like I'm like waiting for their albums to come out and I haven't seen either of them live. Right. But, you know, sort of, sort of, um, uh, you know, a part of the culture as a gay man in America. We know every December or sort of from November, we're going to have a Mariah moment, right? Yeah. Because we're going to have all I want for Christmas is you. Madonna is seemingly omnipresent, you know, like God. She's probably there when you're taking a Much shit. Much like God. Much like God. Absolutely. I love them both, but I also love that they sort of hate each other or love to hate each other. Mm. Apparently, the feud began when Madonna said of, of Mariah Carey in an interview with Spin Magazine, I was talking to KD Lang about it last night, which I love because that opens with like another, a, na- a name drop of another artist. So that's one of those things of like, as you've known, the worst thing is not just someone slagging you off, but someone slagging you off with someone else that you know who is respected. (laughs) So it's like, listen, I I don't just have these thoughts about you. Katie Lang also has these thoughts about you. Um, Perfect. I'll (laughs) scapegoat Katie Lang. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know Katie Lang, but I have no problem. Just any unpopular opinions that I have, just get mad at Katie Lang. Yes. Yeah. It was Katie Lang. She's she's constantly craving something. Attention. (laughs) I don't know. Wait, we would never do that. We hate never, attention. Never. Famously. We hate it. Yeah. Please don't come to our shows. <laughs> so she says, I was talking to KD Lang about it last night. I don't want to get into slagging off other artists before absolutely getting into slagging off another artist. Which oh, is- isn't that the best? I just <laughs> yeah. tweeted this yesterday. Like the, um, the, uh, the phrase like, man, I love gay men. It always followed by the most homophobic bit imaginable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a problem with gay guys, but... I mean, well, that's even more clear. It's I feel like it's more when you say something like just emphatic and out of nowhere. So Madonna's done the equivalent of this by saying, I don't want to get into slagging off other artists. But we were talking about Katie Lang's record versus someone like Mariah Carey's. Because those two are natural bedfellows. You would often compare the work of, um, you know, singer-songwriter Katie Lang and her style of music with, you know always be my baby Mariah Carey I mean they're very naturally the styles are very similar and then she said I think Mariah's a very talented singer but we have to realize and this is where it goes off the rails but we have to realize that the same country that acquitted OJ is the same country that makes a complete piece of shit movie number one that buys Mariah Carey records it's this homogeneity but it's got nothing to do with art I just I don't know how a movie's Wait, got dragged into it at OJ. She says, we have to realise this is the same con- the same country that acquitted OJ is the same country that makes a complete piece of shit movie number one. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Yeah, it feels off topic. It feels wildly <laughs> off topic. I'm just saying it because it's in the quote here, but it feels wildly... I think she's saying that popular stuff has nothing to do with art, I think, is what we're okay. uncovering here. So she says, Mariah Carey records are homogenous... And they have nothing to do with art. So that's the first thing. So there's a critique of work there that I think we can yeah. we can pick apart. 
followed by the interviewer saying, are there moments when you just say, I wish I was Mariah Carey just singing silly pop songs as if Madonna's not singing silly pop songs. And Madonna laughingly replied, I'd kill myself. It's hard because it's an interview, right? You yeah. I feel like you can get so much context with how things are said. And we know when things are pulled out of context, like things can. So it depends on how the, like how one person read it and got the information. How true. they were feeling at that time, how much they were projecting. This is very true. It's a very journalistic, even-handed approach, Sam. <laughs> um, because, because it's right. fair. We've all had stuff taken out of context. I mean, like if I said, if I was like, oh my God, kill me now. It's like. I feel like it could be taken many different ways. Yes, it's the end of a sentence. So I do think the um, saying her music is homogenous, because she's talented, but it's nothing special. I think that's probably the part that uh, Mariah Carey picked up on um, because she knew how to respond to Madonna. What she did was she came back and said, I haven't really paid attention to Madonna since I was like in seventh or eighth grade when she used to be popular. Yeah, yeah well, that's very, very specific. That, <laughs> like you don't need too much context there. Yeah, got it, got yeah. It. I think the context is like you've, she's been backed into the corner and she's come out with an ageist slam. So she's like, you're old, I'm the new thing and like, fine, whatever. I mean, it was Mariah Carey who also said of Jennifer Lopez when she was brought up, I've never heard of her. She's serving like 17-year-old superstar you know what i mean yeah mariah was quite young when she when she did uh emotions i remember i think i think mariah was about 19 or 20 was she when that came out so if it was in response to madonna i just i feel like if someone publicly disses you you've got the option that you're either going to clap back or you're just going to gracefully carry on with your art i don't know which version that you that you go for what i would do the guy who just said a a story of not confronting (laughs) my best friend because he chose another speech and debate partner 10 years ago yeah and i'm still working up the courage to do so i don't think i'm gonna clap back no clapbacks i think i'm gonna absolutely just be the little bottom bitch that i am and i'm gonna take it And if you want to insult me, go right ahead. I will let my powerful friend Tiff deal with you. <laughs> I'll come in and do the clapback for you. What I think yeah, about this, you. which is interesting, though, is that I wonder if with all of it, like, and it's it's not great to pitch women against each other. And if we look through the history of Hollywood, you know, you've got Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and you've got all these famous rivalries. Mm-hmm. But what I do wonder with Madonna and Mariah Carey, did it ultimately help both of them? That was the first thing that I was going to say was like, I I would love to put them in a room and see how they interact. Because I mean, how much, like if I heard that you said something about me on a podcast, I'd be like, doesn't matter. Tiff loves me. Like, well, whatever she said, I'm sure was a joke that didn't land. And that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I think they've helped each other. I think with any rivalry, and we've talked about this on here, does it enhance the art of the other person? Do you push them to be greater? So I do think having a rivalry, although it's not great to pit women against each other, I think ultimately they sold more records because people are going to tune in and be like, what do you think about this? And Madonna might not have even thought anything about uh, Mariah Carey or vice versa until someone brought it up in an interview and they were like, oh, this is a bit edgy. This is a bit controversial. This will probably sell a few records. And then they get the chance to say it back. And if we look at what they're... According to Celebrity Net Worth, Madonna has sold an astounding 300 million albums throughout her career. Yeah. Ultimately, neither of them probably need much more attention because they're already so rich and famous and we love them. The feud wasn't like, well, I guess it was a little bit like it's not real art, which is quite, 
but it was more like who are you it was more like almost ego fame based than it was like you know there are things that i feel like it could have been about that genuinely would have been like you know um like when comedians accuse each other of stealing jokes like that's probably like a lot worse press than like a famous person being like you're not as famous as me the most famous pop star in the world well yeah and i think you can kind of talk about like that person does that thing whatever i do this thing and that's about the style of the art and everything else which is what that is i think when it comes down to in music it would be the equivalent would be you stole those chords for that record and so you see these big high court cases where someone goes you stole the basis of this for a record and there's a way of actually doing that in music with comedy it's so hard Right. To kind of prove that thing. So it's actually kind of like very difficult if you see something that's similar that you go, oh, you know, because I know it happens a lot more in America. Comedians are a lot more forward about calling out other comedians. Oh, really? It doesn't happen in the UK? It does happen in the UK. And I, but I don't think it, it becomes such huge. Well, there's only been a few, I feel like. That are like have made like mainstream. I think there was one here that there was a court case or something happened where yeah. someone put something out and someone else said, I've got a very similar thing. And then when you watch them, you went, oh, I don't think they're that similar. But it was, you have seen me oh, do this. So, you know, it's very, it's very tricky, isn't it? It's very hard to prove. Yeah. And I've definitely, oh, so, yeah. I've definitely watched stuff before and gone, oh, like that's similar to my bit. I wonder, and then you go, oh, but I can see how they got there. Depends on how personalized the thing is. That's why the more personal and unique and individual you can make your comedy, the better it is as an art form because... That's why I only talk about having type 1 diabetes. (laughs) Yeah. There's like two other comedians. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's me and them. Yeah, so... And if you look at the stats... (laughs) (laughs) Do you have your annual diabetic meetup? To uh, discuss who gets to do what jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I murdered the rest of them. And so I, I, I won. I got all the jokes. That ultimately is the best form of rivalry. Just getting rid of your competition completely. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on Catharsis, Sam. Do you feel catharsed? Oh, I love that as a verb. I don't know what it means, but <laughs> God, do I feel it. I feel so catharsed. I do think we've come up with some creative solutions for stuff. Yeah. Tell me what you have to plug. My solo show, Sugar Daddy, is off-Broadway at the Soho Playhouse right now. I started on January 11th, and it's going through February 17th. It's gotten good press and just in the times, and I I got to plug it while doing uh, my late-night debut. Yes, check that out on Seth Meyers. Late Night with Seth Meyers. Yeah, if you type in Sam Morrison into YouTube, you'll find my late-night i'm very excited for you because you're fantastic and you're funny and the show is personal and funny and hilarious and everyone should see it if they're in new york now if you're in the uk you're going to get to see it um as we said at the top of the podcast uh when sam is at soho theater 17th to 20th of may yep um i'm there during that time as well you can see us both in the same night or do sam one night me the other night check him out on twitter instagram all the social medias We absolutely love him. Thank you for doing the podcast, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. I love you so much and I miss you and I can't wait to see you in London. I miss you. I'll see you soon. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.